Father, uh, we come before you tonight uh, recognizing that you are our Father who art in heaven. And Lord, we know that your Son, Jesus, who also is at your right hand, is hearing these requests right now, Lord. And we, first of all, do pray for Cynthia, Lord, just as grieving that she is going through. Pray that you will comfort her. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Um, thank you for bringing the people around her to just to comfort her, Lord. So, and then we also continue to pray for Taffy um, as she is learning to live a life <clears throat> without um, without John. So just continue to be with her and, and Sharon, who's there living with them with Taffy. Pray for. Um, Pray for Mike, uh, that he will pass his test on Thursday. You just bring everything to his memory that needs to be brought to his memory, to those answers that he has to answer, that he just, just, they come right to the top of his mind when he has to do that. Pray for Glenn, that you would just heal him of this um, sore throat quickly. And we lift up Peter. We, uh, we just pray, Lord, and thank you that uh, this man of God is going to be teaching about the most key component where the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 says, the resurrection didn't happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey guys, let's go drink some beer. Uh, <laughs> so, um, it, it's all futile, our faith, and how important that is. And I do pray for, um, for Peter as he's preparing this material, Lord, that you will help him in the preparation of it, that your spirit will be there in the delivery of it, and I do pray that you'll bring those who do not yet know you, who are struggling to know you, who maybe have been captured by the world, and just pray that you will bring them to this class, and through this class they will hear the gospel and come to you. So Lord, um, just guide us tonight um, as we open your word, as we now are going to transition into this time where you are going to leave this upper room this course um, has just been amazing with the teaching that you have given to us through there. And that you are now going to do what has enabled all of us to have eternal life. You are going to start walking to the cross and just watching how everything just gets put into place for that to happen, Lord. That we can declare you today as our Lord, as our Savior, as our Christ, and as our High Priest. Yes, it's in the name above all names, the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Okay, so before we actually read John 18, because I want to have a sense as to how to to read this chapter, um, I'm going to take you way back. It's it's interesting because when we, you know, when we go through a book of the Bible, and I'm trying to do this a little bit with Romans as I'm trying to look at us as, we, as we're going to go through Romans. <clears throat> I try to study it myself and try to look for different themes that I think are good to try to, you know, piece things together. And I sort of started out the Gospel of John with what I thought might be a theme. Um, honestly, it really has not been a theme. It sort of has been dropped. <laughs> and we've really, I think, the, one of the, probably the, one of the main themes that we've seen throughout John consistently, though, is this whole idea of believe and believing. You are to believe, but you are to keep on believing. And the importance in the Gospel of John on keep on believing. 
But there was a title I gave to this course. In fact, I noticed that we still have the title when I show it for the men's study. Um, does anybody remember at all at the beginning of John, for those of you who are here, at the beginning of John, um, I sort of named the course. You might not even remember that. But I had a key passage of scripture that was in the New Testament that's not even in John as a way to guide us through John and to be thinking about as we went through John. Does anybody remember what that is? Abiding. It's not abiding. This is a passage outside of um, outside of John. Good. That's what I sort of expected well, for the response. I wrote that the purpose yes. of John uh, was 2030 so that we may believe. Yes. So that is what we ended up that is the theme. Yeah. But I sort of started with another one as far as us guys, as far as the thought as to how we want to walk through John for ourselves. Was it in Hebrews? Was it, it wasn't he- Hebrews. Hebrews 4.22? Yeah, it wasn't Hebrews. Okay, that's that's fine. So why don't we turn to what it was? <laughs> See if you remember. Second Corinthians. I was like, what? Well, <laughs> Corinthians. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, grab a Bible. Okay. Uh, so, 2 Corinthians, chapter 2. Okay, anybody remember anything more? Is this, anybody recalling anything? Okay. Nope. Okay, so 2.17. So, 2 Corinthians... It's on page 1685 in my Bible, if that helps. No. No? Okay. Second um, Corinthians 2.17. Come on, now. Sounds good. Okay. You good, Jason? Yep. New Testament. Got it? All right. So this is what it says. It says, for we are, and so this was sort of a call for all of us as, as men. 217, you see. 217. 2 Corinthians 2.17. For we are not, like so many, peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. So, in fact, we began talking about the importance of what we're going to learn in John is not just something that we hold into ourselves, but we learn to share that with others, in which I think Ken has been our shining example of someone who took that seriously um, to the top of mountains, (laughs) sharing it with with guys. A lot of good stories that we've come in. Other people shared about how they were taking and just sharing Christ. Just learning to share Christ with others. Um, and I love this passage because I was actually looking up again. Uh, we are to be men of sincerity. And then it says commissioned by God. So we're called by God to do this. This is really our whole Christian life. And we do that in the sight of God. And the word sight means presence. So we, with the Holy Spirit, we do that within the presence of God. And what do we do? We speak in Christ. In other words, we share Christ with others. And 
the word here, so it's interesting, the word sincerity is probably, I looked it up in Greek, is probably best translated as integrity, because the opposite of it is sort of a hypocrisy. So the opposite of a hypocrite would be someone who has integrity. And so if you think about it, this is just a good like measurement for all of us. You know, do, do, are we living lives of integrity? And what does that look like um, as believers to go out into the world? And if you think about it, these days, to be a man of integrity, <laughs> it's a big deal. Um, to where what you say, what you act is consistent with what you believe. Um, so, as we go through chapter 18, and we're going to look at the whole chapter today, so we're going to do 18 today, 19 next week. As we go through the entire chapter of 18, what I'd like you to do is keep in mind integrity, this word of integrity, and to look how the different players in chapter 18, as Jesus is going to start going to the cross, how all these different players are come in. And I want you to look and look at the different people here and look at their integrity. How do they show or not show that integrity? Does that make sense? That's sort of a filter to think through as we, as we go through um, John 18. Uh, because it's interesting listening to how all these different people played this out as we walk through. Okay, so let's take a look at John, John 18. Alright, so as we read through it, it's a, you know, pretty good length chapter, um, and it would probably just be easiest to just have someone read it. Um, and again, as we read it, anything that sticks out to you, but in particular when you just sort of listen to it as you're watching these different players, um, what they do. And how they talk to Jesus, how Jesus talks to them, and Jesus as we walk through. So, who has got a good voice tonight that feels reading like reading a lot? Pick somebody. I can read. Andrew, thank you. And do you have the ESV? I do the ESV. Great. Okay. Awesome. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, when Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the book, Brook Kidron, where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. So he asked them again, Whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he, so if you seek me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word that he had spoken, Of those who, whom you gave me, I have not lost, lost not one. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword in his sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? So the band of soldiers and their captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. First they led him to Annas, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year. It was Caiaphas who 
who had advised the Jews that it would be expedient that one man should die for his people. Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest, but Peter stood outside of the door. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, You also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the servants and officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold, and they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them, standing and warming himself. The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. When he had said these things, one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand, saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, If what I said is wrong, bear witness about the wrong. But if what I said is right, why do you strike me? Annas then went, then sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. So they said to him, You also are not one of the disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it, and at once a rooster crowed. Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters, so that they would not be defiled, but could eat the Passover. So Pilate went out and said to them, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourself and judge him by your own law. The Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken, to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness of the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? After that he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him, but you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cried out again, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Excellent. Thank you, Andrew. I could not read as like you did. <laughs> You'd read that really well as far as just ah, straight through. Really good. Hello, Gil. All right, so as you heard that, you made it. Thank God. <laughs> I'll give you some energy, right? All right, so anything just offhand, just, you know, we're moving back. We've spent a lot of time in 14 through 17 with just a lot of teaching with Jesus' teaching of disciples. We're now moving back into the narrative um, of Jesus's within 24 hours of going to the cross. So, but anything, as you just, as we just heard through that whole story that sort of sticks out to you? 
Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I feel like, uh, obviously, this has probably already been said, but the, Jesus, when he, especially when he talks about the cup, he's talking about, he, know, he knows that he's going to suffer. So, I mean, that's a given. And he knows that he doesn't want his, he wants his disciples to move on. Um, and, and, and with his teaching. Mm-hmm. So I think that there's, I see this as him really saying that I'm kind of, I'm trying to come to the final end here. This is, I, I'm ready for pain, you know, pain and suffering, anguish. So, the other thing is when he talks about the truth, and um, it's interesting for me to, I think this might have came up in this class, in this um, session before, a while back, but I'm trying to remember. When Pilate says, what is truth? Am I right? Do you remember us talking about that before, Gil? No, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. I, I was just thinking that's the yeah. Yeah, I, standard. I, I guess, I don't know, maybe it is, maybe I just heard it before. I don't, I don't know why that stuck out to me, but I guess what I guess, I have a question, because a lot of times my, when I say something, I'm asking you guys to help me. So, is he saying to God, is he saying to Jesus, what is truth? Or what does it really matter? What is it? Is he saying to him, what truth? Who cares about truth? That's the way I kind of look at it. I don't really look at it. He wants him, does he want him really to answer the question? No. It's rhetorical. It's like, you know, kind of, because there's no response and there's no like follow-up, right? So it's like, he's dismissive of it. Well, Jesus has already told him that he speaks the truth. And he says that he's mm-hmm. told it to everybody. Mm-hmm. But so when he says to him, what is truth? Is he saying... Does he want Jesus to answer him? question, no. Okay. No. Well, <laughs> otherwise he'd say, what is the, what, what is the right. truth? Right, he so he's basically it. saying, what does even matter? Like, basically... Like people say today, cares? so... So what, 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 what of truth? No, it's like, it's like, yeah, right, you have the truth, right? It's like, he yeah, dude. doesn't believe it, right? Like, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> well, why, I love why? it. I love it. I don't know why, because of everything that he did. Pilate's actions don't don't speak to a dude that's just blowing this guy off. Okay, if if he blew him off, he would have said, you know, whatever, fine, let's just kill this guy and get it over with. These these guys are a hassle. I'm getting the governor's coming or the you know Caesar's guys coming in to check it out. It's Passover. Let's just let's get this thing done. Instead. He messed with the Jews. He said, king of the Jews in every language. And they said, you can't do that. And he said, I did what I did. Eat it, guys. Okay? And that was a, his vernacular. <laughs> and that was on purpose. So I am going to put this in your face. This man that you have had me kill, I am writing who he is. Who is I here? Pilate. Pilate. I, you had me kill him. Therefore, I'm going to display him in the way that I feel is appropriate. And I think he's innocent. And you have had me murder an innocent man. Therefore, I will shame you with this. So, and I think he was highly troubled. He did not want to do this. In another gospel, it talks about his wife, Pilate's wife, warning Pilate to have nothing to do with him because she had a dream. Of course. Yeah, he was innocent. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that was like his warning from his wife to stay clear. He sees what's, Pilate sees what's happening, and based on his justice, is like, this, I don't see, you're not presenting anything to me 
where I can proclaim judgment against this guy. Right. Like, yeah. You know, he's clean, but if you want to kill him, I'm wiping, I'm washing my hands of it. That's right. And so, in, in, in order to do what Pilate does for a living in his life, he can't accept truth, just like in the world we're dealing with here. When you present truth to somebody, nine out of ten times, they simply, dude, if I accept the truth, my whole world collapses. And I can't justify what I do. So are you saying that are you saying that he might have been using it as a defense mechanism, like maybe defend yourself, Jesus, when I answer this question? Is that what you're saying? No, I think Pilate was truly troubled with the question of what is truth. Now, of course, what Jesus said to him, he just told him what truth is. Yeah, I was going to say it's interesting. Think context here. So the, 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 the question, what is truth, has got has already had the answer That's presented right. to him. Yeah, he just said it. Oh, oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah, he, said, he, so, he, he just told him, yeah. "I am the truth." Yeah. Right. And that word yeah. "listens" is "shema," which really means "obeyed." Yeah. Right. Good. Yeah. Uh-huh. So whoever, <laughs> everyone who is of the truth obeys my voice. Yeah, that's an interesting concept. Is, is interesting. being of the truth, because if everyone who is of the truth listens to his voice. And we are listening to his voice. We are of the truth, which is which is interesting. <laughs> yes, to be of the truth. Yes, yeah, that's right. And that's what we just learned in seventeen. Right, we're sanctified in Him now. Yeah. Right. And John fourteen says, "I am the truth, way, the truth, and the life." Mm-hmm. No one yeah. Well, but did did Pilate have any? Knowledge. I have not heard that. No, that's what I'm saying. Yes. He didn't yeah. know of that. I'm wondering if he's just sitting there kind of confused a little bit and saying, you know, what is truth. Well, so, well, so then later, the next thing down where he, he, because he thinks he's innocent. He doesn't want to do this. Right. So what he lays back on the Jews is, how am I going to get out of being the guy to make this choice? Okay, I don't want yeah. to do this. So now he's going, okay, Jews, I'm going to make you guys make a choice. You're going to choose between guilt and innocence, right? Literally, right? This guy's innocent. We all know it. That guy's guilty. And if you pick him, you've just chosen sin over truth, right? But it's on you guys. And unfortunately, Pilate had to play his role in the whole deal. But yeah, I really don't think he wanted anything to do with it. But but also for Pilate, he was a politician, and it's self-preservation for him. Correct. He's yeah. trying to prevent uprisings. Right. That's I mean, right. That's, that's in fact. Like yeah. yeah. Pilate's whole yeah. job yeah. Want to is to control. keep peace. Wasn't it like Passover too? Yeah. 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 So like millions of Jews were in. Right. That's right. Exactly. So There's like two and a half million that's Jews why he, His whole thing is he starts seeing all this uprising. He's going to do anything he can to squash that uprising. But but like I said, the reason why I think I believe that when he questions that truth, he's truly troubled by it. Yeah. And I think he knows he's he's talking to somebody that has the authority, right? But and he wouldn't have done all this stuff if he didn't believe that. If he wasn't really trying to find a way out of this thing. Yeah, he would not probably leave a question to you. No. He's like, dude, like, uprising, this guy's the guy that's been causing all these troubles in, in Capernaum and all these other things. Just kill this guy. Yeah. Let's make this easy. So you think about... In the next chapter, he says, don't you know, answer me, don't you know I have the power to crucify you? And Jesus says, you have no power. Yes. Unless <laughs> you. And so like, these are the responses. And does, how does he respond? 
He doesn't get upset. What does he say? He's just like, uh, you know, he just kind of, uh, okay, like, i got to figure a way out of this. So, Eric, were you, did you have your... Yeah, I think it's interesting that when, just prior to that, they ask him, are you a king? He says, my kingdom is not of this world. And Pilate's job was to enforce the Roman law. So there was no valid reason for him to do any punishment because Jesus' world is not of this world. And if, if, if it's out there somewhere and he hasn't violated any Roman law, there's no justification to punish him. Yet he still writes king of the Jews. Mm-hmm. So usually, I, I think, else, I think yeah. they're supposed to name. The, they're supposed to put their name, and they're supposed to put their crime, like why they're being crucified. And he just put King of the Jews. King of the Jews. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which being crucified. Which is why I think you get crucified. Yeah. Um, how about anybody else? Um, either on that subject or. Well, I, I find it funny. Like the next thing he says after Pilate's asked him what is the truth is, I find no guilt in him. Hmm. Just literally, like it's because like. It just seems like he was touched and just like, oh my gosh. It kind of goes back to what you were saying where yeah. I think you, the question was already answered. And it's kind of like how Jesus does it where you ask him and you just figure it out in your head. Yeah. And the next thing he does, he goes to the people and is like, I don't find anything wrong with them. So think about the subject of when I said integrity here. Look at the struggle Pilate's having. He, he pronounced him not guilty. Yeah. I mean, here, he, here Pilate still. is seen... As just Caleb just said, I find no guilt in him. Pilate knows this man is innocent, but Pilate is in this from an integrity perspective. What would Pilate do? I mean, if he he was trying to protect him because in nineteen one he has him flogged, but he's thinking I'm going to satisfy the Jews, and so maybe this will all go away. Don't you think he's trying to protect him? Well, he, so, he ultimately yeah. had the power to completely exonerate Jesus. Exactly. And what like, would have happened... Had the ultimate so let's say Pilate went with his integrity. Authority. So Pilate went with his integrity and knows that Jesus is... Which we kind of just said. He, he says he knows he's innocent. So what would have happened if Pilate lived by what he knew was true? I mean, think about what would have happened. A riot? That's Jesus, exactly Jesus right. They killed him. That it, exactly. Prophecy Probably Caesar would have been like, "Get this guy out. He's fired from his job. Maybe he would even lose his life. I don't know. But he's not going to have a job anymore. He's not going to be the one overseeing this anymore. If he was to actually go through with that, wasn't Jesus being seemingly charged with in- insurrection? But he was trying to over. The Jews were saying he's trying That's, to overthrow us, right? And but then they would have been the ones that would have risen up and gone they, crazy on the Romans. But the Jews yeah. admitted they they were saying what what crime has he broken? Okay, well he broke your Jewish law, so judge him judge him by your standards, right? Judge him in your tribunal if he broke your law. And they say we we don't have the the authority, authority for capital punishment. We don't have the authority to kill him, and we want to kill him. <laughs> so we need to do it under Roman under Roman law. Yeah. Well, he hasn't broken any Roman rules. <laughs> yeah, you say he's broken your rules, and yeah. so it's you know, yeah. You see, quite quite a drama going on here. Um, and of course, if if uh, if uh, Pilate had exonerated him. 
then all of us would have been for nothing. Because right. he had to be crucified. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. So you do you see you see you, you see the evil natures of man <laughs> even being played out here for the good of God. Um, how about he, anybody else? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't he go on to say like your sin isn't as great as theirs or something like that? Or like hmm. So who's saying Jesus that? didn't uh, he, he does. Does he say that in another one of the gospels? No, or in this no. gospel. I remember reading that somewhere. So who's saying that you're saying about Jesus saying that? Yeah, I thought he told Pilate, because Pilate, it seemed like Pilate was really like going through it and trying to see if he wanted to do it, and Jesus kind of gave him a way out. Mm. Yeah, when he's getting crucified in 10, at the end of it, it says, therefore he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. Where do you see that? 19.10, at the end. Oh, that's good. Jesus gave no answer, so Pilate said to him, You would not speak to me. Do you not know that I have authority to release you authority to crucify him? Oh, there it is. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has a greater... That's who the other So there... I'm trying to think about what that... Therefore, he who delivered me... So who's he referring to? You have a, let's see, Jesus says, He's you referring to have he no is the Jew. He's referring to he is the Jews because they gave him over to Pilate. Yeah. And then he's also kind of at the same time like exonerating him and showing, like, hey, I know you didn't want to do this. Hmm. Like he's recognizing through it that he didn't want to do it. Yeah. Because he saw his actions. He's like, I saw you say that like you don't find guilt in me. And he left it on them. And now I'm, you know, validating you and what you already thought of, you know, you didn't want to kill me, you saw that they wanted to kill me, you were the only one that could kill me because the Jews couldn't couldn't perform capital punishment, and, you know, if we go all the way back at the start of 1814, uh, says, uh, how do you say his name? Caiaphas. Caiaphas. Caiaphas, the high priest, had advised the Jews that it would be expedient that one man die for the people. And yeah, and so he's like, "Oh, okay. Like, if we just got to make one guy, like, everything is just you know reasoning with yourself yeah. until he gets to the point where he's like, well, he's not guilty." And then we go on this whole little train. Yeah. So it's interesting that what you brought there. So. So who is, so my question is on that verse. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has a greater sin. Who are we referring to there? The people who delivered, yeah, the high priests. What do you think about that? Well, let me, Judas. Judas, yeah. Judas Judas. Yeah, Judas is one. So Judas is one who actually handed, because it's interesting, it's in the singular, I think. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has a greater sin. Who is the he? It's Judas who delivered... Jesus over to the Romans, well, over to the Jews, actually. So it's interesting that it's Judas who has a greater sin here. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Could really be Caiaphas, though. Yeah. Could be I still think that he might be a they, because it was such a collective effort. Well, and it was a collective effort. It was yeah. such a collective effort. You can't just, like, you know. I'm sure Judas sure could get... <laughs> Well, yeah, well, but... We can go down whole other rabbit holes with that. So what was that? What did you say? I didn't even hear that. 
What did you say? Or what was, what did what? you were saying? What did what you guys respond? Um, um, you One might even say it's a conspiracy. Oh. Isaiah <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> says, stay oh, away from me. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He <laughs> says, don't call the things they call conspiracies. <laughs> conspiracies. <laughs> All right, right. good, um, good discussion, but, though, huh? Sorry to interrupt. No, this, um, yeah. But going back to 11, when put your sword into the sheath, shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given you? I keep thinking when it go, when I, when that starts off in 18, well, doesn't, Jesus already has a calling for all this. I mean, mm-hmm. it doesn't make a difference, right? I mean, he's already ready to go. I mean, that, that's what the cup means, right? But my, isn't that he, the thing? He was in the garden praying, Father, let this cup pass for me, um, Oh, that's right. Your will, not my will, be done. You know, if there's any way, let this cup pass. Oh. And then it was like, there's no other way. And he says right here, drink the cup that the Father has given me. So it doesn't make a difference what any what happens from there on, because he wants he wants to do this, correct? Right. So the scripture would be fulfilled. Right. Exactly. Right. So eleven is like so. In a sense, it makes all the difference. In a sense, what's going to happen because Jesus is going to go down a path to make sure he's fulfilling Scripture. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, so this is all being orchestrated. That's what you get to see. Jesus as the Son of God is just with the Father is just orchestrating all this, but you don't see it until after the fact. In conjunction with Satan. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Who's getting tricked by the whole thing? Yeah. Does anyone see parallels of the first section there in 18? 1 through, what is that? 1 through 11. With the Garden of Eden. It's fascinating that he's in a garden. That there's a guy that was his guy that betrayed him. Right? Just the whole thing as it plays out. If you just kind of like, like get up in the air a little bit while you're reading it, it's a, it's just like this beautiful parallel. Very, very much so. And then as he goes through the stages, first it's an Annas, and then it's, then Peter betrays him, then it's Caiaphas. Yeah. Right? And so forth. And I think it's fascinating the way that it, 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 it literally goes through a whole little chunk here, step by step, of Peter denying him. Those are set out. Yeah, oh, very messed up. Right? Right, right. And it's cool how later on, how we see that play out in the last chapter. So take a look, you guys, at the beginning of 18, where Jesus is talking. So we talk about integrity. So look at look at the... Look at what I guess I want to say is how is Jesus showing to be showing himself to be someone of integrity? He what? Very good. So notice in eighteen, those and look look at the different times Jesus says it. So they ask Jesus, "Whom do you seek?" This is in verse eight. They answered him, "Sorry, five. Sorry, five. So, well, let's go to four. Four. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen. So that's, there's the important statement right there again. <laughs> okay. Jesus knows all this is going to happen to him. Comes forward and says to them, whom do you seek? And they answered, we are seeking Jesus of Nazareth. Now, Jesus obviously could have said something different here, but he says who he is. 
He was proactive. He declares, I am he. So he's saying, I'm the one. And then Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with him. When Jesus said to him, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Then it says in verse 8, was this, whom do you seek? They said, Jesus Nazareth. Jesus says, I told you that I am he. (laughs) So Jesus is really making sure that he's declaring, this is who I am. I'm not going to sort of beat around the bush or anything. Um, I'm the one you've come for. I've been expecting you. Yeah, I've been expecting you. And uh, and when he says, I am, you know, I am he. I am is one of the names of God. But he, uh, like, just his power, you know, his control is like, with with those words, uh, a band of soldiers fell on their butts. Right? That's, you know. And he's, yeah. in another gospel, I don't think it says it here, but in another gospel he says, Peter, don't you know I can call, you know, right, all the angels. angels right? Like, I have the power, but I'm submitting myself to this. Yeah. I think it's important to go back to what Jason was alluding to, mm-hmm. that... Uh, just the very beginning, when Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the brook Kidron, where there was a garden. So the garden is it, it it a starting place that's kind of a sacred place where he and his disciples are gathered together. And, and, and it, it's that sacred place that starts the movie of the fulfillment of what's supposed to happen. But here are the disciples together, and Judas knew where to find them. So it was important that they be in a place that Judas knew. And it it just, once that was established, it all rolled on from that particular beginning. It's interesting that John points out that Judas is with him. Like he's, John wants us to know right away that his loyalty wasn't with Jesus. And this and this garden is the Garden of Gethsemane, right. which is a place you can go to today still. Mm-hmm. And you will see olive trees that are massive. I've been there before. Bruce, you walk through this garden, and it's a garden of olive trees. and Kind of like on a hillside. Yeah. Well, yeah, it is on a hillside. So yeah. it sort of goes down like this. So what happens is a brook kid run, you have Jerusalem up here on a hill, and then you come down into this... Little Valley, um, which is what's fascinating, is then up this hill, is where, down this valley is where you have all these graves and everything. Um, but they would walk down there and they'd come up to the Garden of Gethsemane, and you, from the Garden of Gethsemane, you look straight over and you're looking right into the wall of Jerusalem. Temple Mount. Yeah. yeah, you look, yeah, you're looking right straight into there. Um, and the olive trees that are there, there's debate about this, but I mean, the olive trees are massive. I mean, they're like, Huge, and they think some of the root systems go all the way back to the time of Jesus. Wow. Um, so they're massive, massive trees. Um, so you get a chance to go. It's sort of, neat. you can actually do this walk that Jesus just did, <clears throat> where you walk from sort where the upper room they think it might be, and walk all the way down and come into the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, so about the integrity. Uh huh. Yes. Um, verse eleven. Um, and I'm going to read two other scriptures after this. But think of a cup. Put up thy sword into thy sheet. The cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? 
and Matthew 26, verse 27. And he took the cup, and he gave thanks, and he gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for men. So, Jesus drank the cup that God gave him, which was martyrdom. Mm -hmm. And is there a parallel for us when we take the cup and drink it? Well, we, what are we supposed to do when we take the cup and drink it? We're supposed remember. to remember. Very good, yes. Yes. But it, it's uh, it's pretty heavy. Yeah. Because <laughs> if Jesus is taking the cup of death, what are we taking when we're glibly taking our communion? You know? Very good. And, and here's kind of a uh, crazy sidebar. Um in John chapter 13, verse 20, let's see, 21, Verily, verily, I say unto you at the Last Supper, one of you shall betray me. Let's give a few verses down. Jesus says, He it is who betrays me, to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sop, so that means after... Judas ate it, I think. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. So, a sop is not a cup. But it seems like he dipped it in wine. So, uh, Judas was taking kind of a another... Uh, the satanic way is with wine, but it corrupted. And he took it. And he imbibed, just like in the other two cases, Jesus is imbibing it when figuratively he's going to his death, and then the disciples are imbibing also. Yeah. Who was Judas's father? He said Simon. I thought you said. Read that. You said, you said, when you read, you said Simon. Son of Simon. said Judas, son of Simon. So um, there's there's another there's a cup spoken of in the book of Revelation, chapter fourteen, verse verse ten. Um, or start with verse nine. And another angel, a third, followed him, saying with a loud voice, "If anyone worships the beast in his image and receives the mark on his forehead or his hand, he will also drink the wine of God's wrath, poured full strength into the cup of his anger." And he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. So there, in the book of Revelation, there's the idea of the cup of the wrath of God, right? Which is going to be poured out on the world during the Great Tribulation. Hmm. Um, it's interesting to see how that, like you said, the Garden of Gethsemane, you see, I mean, the Garden, you see these themes going through. Luke, Luke twenty two forty two says, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Yep. Nevertheless, yeah. not my will, but thine be done. Mm -hmm. Think of it, when Jesus was talking about, and I could be wrong on this, but when Jesus talking about the parallel in the Garden of Eden and this garden, the only difference I see in it is that the Garden of Eden was more about God's punishment. Just like you see this a lot of times. With anything like what me and you were talking about the other day when he sometimes wants to make examples in terms of when the Holy Spirit, you know, 
destroy somebody right away. Well, I don't see this. I, I like the fact that you're saying they're both gardens, but I don't see God punishing people. It's well, Jesus. In, in the first God, garden, there was the fall of man, and the first Adam. In the second garden, I, you know, somewhat there's the restoration of humanity to God through the sacrifice of Jesus, who is called the second Adam in the Scripture. Mm-hmm. I forget what book, but it's talking about the first Adam and the second Adam. I think that's Romans. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So once you so we saw how Jesus, when asked a question, says the truth. I mean, you see him actually living out that integrity. You see him answering that, you know, giving the truth to that. We saw with Pilate, he's struggling with that, right? He knows the truth, but he chooses not to do anything with it. Do you guys see what does Peter do? So look at look at fifteen. Yeah, and how does he do that? Why don't you guys look at the contrast here of what Jesus says about himself, what is and what Peter says about himself? Mm-hmm. Do you guys look see that mm-hmm. in fifteen? Look at look at um. Are you saying that he doesn't have integrity? Yeah. Correct. So yeah. So look. So look. Well, look. No, 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 Instead of saying I am He, He's saying I am, I am not. not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I, I disagree because it's, it's got to be pretty plain that He knew Peter was going to resign. Well, well here Jesus knows, knows us, but, but, but Peter still. Peter is the ongoing word. Right. What he did, he well, predicted that he predicted that Peter would do this. Peter didn't even know what he was talking about, yes, and then he ends up going and doing it. He also um, predicted that Peter would be restored, but yes. Peter did choose to deny him. But well, even though Jesus he denied, knows... He denied him he for a purpose. The continuing on delivering the word of Jesus. He didn't yeah. know he was doing right. it for so a reason. What's important is that, yeah, but he, he just said, so we now know, seeing, reading this, but Peter, when he's in executing, and when Peter's living this out, Peter does not know that he's participating in this plan of God. He does not know what is going on. And that's the point here, I guess, is that, I mean, we all are participating in the plan of God right now. What's Peter's role here is Peter ends up doing the very opposite Jesus does. He doesn't, Jesus says who he is and doesn't beat around the bush. Peter denies. He's fulfilling prophecy. But he is. Exactly. But, but, yeah, but, but that's, that's not everybody. Point. Everybody's yeah. doing it until it actually happens, yeah. right? Like yeah. it's it's like Peter's... all up in the air until it like you know the clock strikes midnight and right. it goes down. Just like what you were saying about like you know when you take a step back, you're like, oh, look at all the parallels that this has to like the Garden of Eden, and you're, we start reading it we're like, oh, look right. at that. Cool. Yeah, like yeah. when you're in you the know, weeds. when he when Peter's in it, he's just like, I don't want to die. Sure. That's he's, all he's thinking. And he, that and that's like, you know, the flaw of man. That's the sin of man. Peter's I, us. Right. Yeah. That's right. Peter is Peter's yeah. us. He said all oh. with the big boy. Peter just says a couple fire. chapters before, he's like he's like, Oh I'll do anything. I'll follow you wherever you go, man. I'll die with you the whole deal. And he just goes, Will you? He just point blank goes, Oh, will you, Peter? Let's see how this plays out. You're gonna deny me three times before the cock crows. And he's like, What? And then of course, again, at the end of this book, it gets really cool coming back to that. Yeah. So when 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 you he's put in that position, 
all these things Peter has said, following Jesus all the time, integrity goes out the window. He says, I'm going to protect myself. I'm going to deny that I even knew this guy I just spent three years with. And everybody else knows <laughs> knows who he is, and he still says, I am not. And he doesn't just say it once. So, I mean, he has multiple chances. He probably said, I am not, three times. He shows it here, that I am not, when asked a question. And then when you take a look at um, 20, 25, the question is asked again. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself, so they said to him, You also are not one of his disciples, are you? <laughs> he denied it, and it says, He denied it and said, I am not. Just plain outright lies. And then just to throw the icing on it, on it, one of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off. So now you're talking about somebody who knows what happened. Eyewitness. Yep. <laughs> Did I not see you in the garden with him? Cutting my cousin's ear off? And Peter, <laughs> Peter says... It doesn't nope, say wasn't he, me? Yeah, he doesn't, it doesn't say he says, I, I am not. But he, in essence it says it. Peter, again, denied it. Isn't there so. some version that says with oaths? He was swearing. Oh, was it? Yeah, wow. yeah I, I remember that too, yeah. yeah. Really? Some, some version, yeah. Huh. The, the interesting thing, I mean, because I've thought about this a little bit. The interesting thing is Peter could have totally bailed. But he was trying to be kind of close to the action, right? <laughs> like he was trying to figure out what was going on and he was trying to sneak around. And, uh, but yeah, he did. It's not a good thing that he denied the Lord. Yeah, not a good thing. What was the consequences? He was hanging out with, with the, with the soldiers, right? At the, at the fire. So well, he, he was, so what was he the was consequence? Trying, he was, he could have like gone home. You know what I mean? He could have, he could have just totally been. The consequences, if he said, I am, I am. <laughs> well, no, I don't, but what he if, didn't get could put, he, put could on he, trial or anything. But could he have, could he have been trying to get some, some answers? Could it, could, I mean, I, I, this is probably way out there, but. Could he have been saying all this to try to investigate it more to see where Jesus was going to go and how he could have gotten out of well, yeah, that was then probably, Tom told me, was Tom told me sections ago that when I was naive about the about the disciples that you said, well, they didn't really, you know, they followed him, but they didn't really believe him until it was all to the end. And I remember you telling me that, and, and then I studied that some more, and I understand that. But I guess what I'm asking now is, that, is it possible Peter could have been doing some research to try to find out what was going to happen with Jesus. To totally. And, and the, the world, I mean, he's, he's just doing a little recon, right? So if you were anybody other than a disciple of Jesus Christ, that would have been normal operating procedure. Right. Right? You'd have just lied to cover your butt and keep in the action and not give away Stay your position it, right? and everything. Sure, right? Maybe you could have got him out. But that's the point. The, he just got through saying a prayer to God, saying they are not of the world, as I am not of the world, right? So he just fell back into definitively being one with the world instead of one with Christ. That's the weight of that decision, right, okay. that we're supposed to grasp, is this is a different situation than any other situation we'd be in, right? Right. I it, a, yeah. a lesson, an example to us is, what would you do? Yeah, yeah. Now that you know this story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's no, the benefit. That's, Peter takes the bullet for so, all of us. Tom's going to write this right, point, right. which is, okay, now we have to think about ourselves. What are we going to do? Are you, so, I, I mean, mean, it's a big yeah, deal. Are you, gonna, are you going to deny Jesus to save your ass? 
Oh, I think tomorrow we do, I think at, we probably do every day. Well, they weren't believed, but you, as you told me sessions ago, that they weren't strong believers at that point. So maybe he wasn't ready to do that. Maybe they thought it was well, more I don't like, know if like they said that. I don't know. Who knows end, how strong that. a believer yeah, they were? Know. But, but well, maybe, but I mean, maybe, Peter just said, as we said a minute ago, 12, I'll go to die for you. Or, yeah, maybe you there are 12 guys hanging out and they're watching this guy do all this stuff going like, hey, this guy is just, it's amazing what he does and how he can talk to people and everything, but I'm not sure if I want to die for him. Yeah, although you have to remember that Peter, of all people, he's went through the transfiguration with the staff of Jesus. I mean, Peter was first <coughs> witness seeing God the Father on the top of the mountain say, this is my son. Seeing Moses and seeing, I mean, Peter got firsthand heavenly wow. <laughs> knowledge and experience to know without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is the Son of God. I mean, he really is completely without excuse. Before, before yeah. the garden, which we're reading about, yeah. and you're a disciple, and so all of us in this room, we're following Jesus, and we're like, we're in awe. We've been with him three days, or three years, three years. Yeah. and he's been healing and doing miracles, and raised Lazarus from the dead right up before. We're all just like, this guy's the Messiah. He's going to go into Jerusalem, and it's, it's over. He's going to be king. All the people thought so, and all that. Interesting, you know, what when he was at the dinner before Lazarus, or during that time, um, and the ointment was poured over him, and Judah said, well, we could have you know, sold that to the poor. No, Jesus says, she's doing this to prepare me for my burial. <laughs> burial. So, huge hint for these guys. Like, what? No, you're the Messiah. You're going to Jerusalem. You're going to be king. And you're going to live forever. Your spirit, you know, you've healed all these, you've done all these miracles. You're the Messiah. So what Judas right there went, this guy's a fraud. I'm going to go betray him. That was his motive. He heard he heard that this guy's going to phase out on him. He's going to go get killed and buried. It's interesting. So, you know, with the garden, they began to see this guy is walking downhill now. He's not walking uphill anymore. So how... How many of us are going to phase out? How many of us are going to deny? He's, 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 he's not being living condemned to death. Now yeah, he's being scourged. He's, he's right? not living that up to their expectations. Right? Yeah. They had these yeah. expectations, and it's not going down the way that they thought it would. I mean, they're, so they're confused. Way confused. Just think of, you know, like, the angst. But Judas went to his lowest point, because he was a money grubber, too. And it, it's interesting about Judas and Peter, because there's some interest, you know, similar things going on. In, in the previous chapter, Jesus calls uh, Judas the son of perdition, yet Jesus is denying, without excuse, you know, the Messiah. Peter. Peter. Sorry, yeah, Peter. Peter. Yeah. And so, Peter is definitely Peter, and Judas is Judas. <laughs> but my life reflects kind of Judas stuff. Is that difference, uh, or Peter stuff? I mean, so they're definitely different characters, but uh, Peter was redeemable. Yeah, so Jesus said, I prayed for you. Yeah. 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 Right. Peter was Ju unknowingly fulfilling prophecy. Judas wasn't getting any prayer. Peter, Peter what? He was unknowingly. Yeah, he was exactly unknowingly. Right. How about this? We are all doing that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We are all unknowingly right fulfilling prophecy. Jesus knows exactly where you're going, when you're going to die, how you're going to die. 
if you're going to deny him three days from now. He knows all that. We that think, doesn't relieve any of us responsibility. <laughs> I think yeah. that's the key thing here. Is that doesn't, yeah. you know, we, we can't say, well, God had that planned, and so it's okay that I deny Jesus. I well, mean, who did he we're pray fully for held responsible. He prayed for Peter or for Judas? He, he prayed for Peter. I prayed, yes. Satan has asked me to sift you like wow. wheat, and I prayed for your soul. You know, I prayed you'll endure. Yeah. After the denial. Right. No, I feel, no, but I mean, he's praying that he will endure after, after the denial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. He knew he would trough. Yeah, exactly. No, he's praying that he'd pull out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because so uh, he could have killed himself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Right? But you can imagine how he felt. I mean, what yeah. kind of talking about? Or then afterwards, where he, Jesus just asked him, do you love me three times? Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> <laughs> when he sees me, he just jumps out of the boat and just falls at his feet. Yeah. I mean, so, the funny thing with Peter is when we were studying Galatians, which I had not really seen before, we're, before we studied Galatians. But, I mean, Peter, he doesn't really stop this personality because in Galatians, it's Paul who rebukes Peter because Peter's slipping back. He's just a guy who easily can slip back into the old ways. And Paul admonishes Peter because Peter's going back saying, I'm going to separate my, you know, I'm going to eat with the Jews, and we're going to keep the Gentiles separate. And oh, yeah. Peter's trying to play both sides. Yeah, I just read <laughs> yeah. I was going to bring that up. And Paul calls him on it. Yeah, which exactly. Is, Paul called him out on it. He's like, you're like different yeah. with the Jew people and with the Jews. You have a right. different, you have a different behavior. It's, it's just yeah, interesting. You don't see much about our personality, but with Peter, you, we get a lot with Peter. So um, in, in uh, 13, yeah. 36, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. <laughs> Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, truly I like. say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. And later in 16, he said, I've said all these things to you, to keep, this is Jesus speaking, to you, to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not, not known the Father, they have not known the Father, nor me. But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. So, and and that sort of thing just gets reiterated and reiterated and reiterated in the next few chapters. It's like, dude, yeah, when that happened, I'm sure you could, that's one of the most painful things in the Bible to me, is this feeling that Peter had between then and that time on the beach. Yeah. Just unbelievable, the anguish. Well, it goes back to what you said, David. He's like, yeah, he's living this out. But it's even with Peter, it's like, Jesus told him, you're going to do this before he even did it. I mean, you just see, like, there. I, I guess it just shows how easy we can all become blind. He also saw You know, it's like, we know what's right, day. and we just, like, go. Yeah. I wonder yeah. if Peter actually, when he denied it, actually thought about that. Hey, he told me I'm going to do this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, he says uh, that you will. Right. After the third, after the rooster, right? After the third like, denial, he went away and wept. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He yeah. also, like, like you know, it's crazy because he saw all the miracles. He saw everything. 
And I said he saw the transfiguration. Oh that gosh. is like that's that incredible. Is, that that's, that's even beyond Moses. <laughs> well, it had nothing to do with his belief. He believed. <laughs> this is this is the thing. Well, this is the human condition. This is what we're all having to deal with. That's so why Peter is so us. It's all he, he Peter believed wholeheartedly. He believed he would lay his life down for him. Okay, here's here, here's an important point. So they believed, right? Before the resurrection, mm-hmm. yeah. But after the resurrection, Peter is out there proclaiming boldly. After seeing the risen Christ, yes, that was it. He's proclaiming boldly. He's preaching. The Jews admonish him: "Don't preach any longer in this name." What was what, the difference? What's, what's right? The difference is the res- seeing the resurrected. Not Christ. just the Being seeing it, though. What did they receive as they a result? The Holy, oh, Spirit, Holy Spirit, Spirit. Spirit. At Pentecost. Yeah, yeah. 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 And at Pentecost, what does, what, who is the one who gives the first sermon? Hold on. Those guys received the Holy Spirit before Pentecost. Yes, they did. And we're going to reach that and read that, John. Oh, when the Spirit went around the room? No, no, he breathed into them. He breathes into the apostles. The first time he shows up. Before. Yeah, before. That's in the upper room, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yes. Those actually, I don't know if they were there yet. Yes. It happens that. It was. Was it in the upper room? Uh Uh-huh. He comes in, the door's locked, he says, peace oh, be with you. Oh, after the resurrection. Yeah, and breathing after into the them, yes. Yeah. But that's what's neat, is Peter ends up being in Pentecost. He is the very first uh, Christian to deliver a sermon, and I love his sermon. I was just looking at it today in Acts 2. He gives a sermon where he just preaches the gospel, and mm-hmm. all those listening go... And I love it. This is the response you want preaching the gospel. All, all, all the ones around go, hey, what do we do now? And he says, repent. Yes, exactly. Repent and believe. Mm-hmm. And you will have the forgiveness of sins and you will receive the Holy Spirit. There's, there's Christianity right there. You know, when you say, I believe, you, your sins are forgiven, and you get the Holy Spirit. You are sealed. Yeah. Can I just need Peter doing doing that as the first sermon. Can, can I ask Peter a question regarding belief? No, you can't ask Peter. <laughs> that, you that, need to ask my permission. Well, you know, I, 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 just, I don't want to hijack you if you're on a track. Here. <laughs> go but it's, it's, on, it's on this on the yeah, belief go, thing. Go ahead, go ahead. So, from the apologetics perspective. So in 17, what we just got through reading, now, now I, I numbered the number of times that Jesus, and I think it was, let's see, hang on, seven. Seven times he specifically, in his conversation with God, defines belief as belief in me that whom you sent. Okay, not just believe so in where Jesus did you count Christ. This? Where did you count this? Seventeen. It's, oh, it's seventeen. In chapter seventeen. Oh, the prayer. Every identification regarding the belief in Him had was not just belief in Jesus Christ. Okay. Jesus Christ, whom you sent. Oh, okay. Right. Who the Father sent? So, the, well, because Jesus is praying to the Father. Exactly, but but yeah. but that they understand what he's saying to them is, hey, these guys are justifiable to to you know have my prayer to answer to because they have come to believe that I am He who you sent. Yes, yes. Uh-huh. Not just I am He. Because you I, have a connection to the Father. That's right. I, I I am I. They understand I'm the Messiah. 
They understand that I was sent specifically. So, the idea of belief. In 17 to me, I've never been so clear with specifically, specifically what it is that we are to believe. So, when you're, when you're, what is it that you say you're supposed to believe? It's just so, that Jesus so, Christ so is... So that wouldn't be an apologetics type question. That would be a a, uh, a theological question, hmm. but uh, more like an evangelistic type question. Um, so one thing I wrote down was 17 verse 8. Right. Um, I, guess it, I guess it does. It's not as specific here, but... I wrote how people become Christians. <laughs> verse eight, it says, "For I have given them the words that you gave me." Oh yeah, we talked about this last week. We were talking about this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they have received them, and they have come to know yeah, the truth. In, yeah, in truth, that I have come from you, and they have believed you have sent me. Mm-hmm. So, what is added to this afterwards, later in, um? like the Pauline epistles and things like that is the emphasis on the resurrection. When Jesus is saying this is like pre-resurrection, but, um, you know, he's saying that he's been sent from God and these types of things. But later in the new Testament, the, there, there's an emphasis on the resurrection that, you know, he was the son of God. He was God. And it came in the flesh and that rose from the, from dead. the dead. Right. Yeah. 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 So that's that the gospel. Is, that's right. the gospel. Yeah. 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 Yes. Um, I'm going to try and pull this onto a more personal yeah. Uh, yeah. perspective. Um, the first thing I memorized in my little book goes like this For men and women of integrity, a moral obligation is a binding commitment. Fulfilled even to the expense of personal sacrifice. So, the moral obligation mm-hmm. is the truth. Mm-hmm. And when you know the truth, the world doesn't want you to be in the truth. Mm-hmm. And they try and push you off. Mm-hmm. And so, if you're really going to have integrity, you stand on the truth as you know it and believe it. Even at the expense of personal sacrifice, it may cost you something. So and when so, you say even at the expense of personal sacrifice, yeah. to describe that to me. That's like, like being rejected by the world. It, you know, you're you know, you're not going along with the rest of us here, you know, you're marching to the tune of a different drummer and you know, we don't accept that. But, but, yeah. Like but, Peter, right? Like, like they, Peter, exactly. they, they knew the <laughs> truth. Those guys right. knew the truth, but all he had to do was deny it, and they were like, oh, cool, hang on, keep keep by the fire. So he betrayed his You're moral one of us. obligation, yeah. basically, yeah. at his own expense. Mm-hmm. Which is the whole point of what, that's not integrity. That's not integrity, <laughs> right. And, and, it, and that holding that integrity was worth giving up his life. See, what, the point is, when you know the truth, it may cost you something. And because the world wants to push you off your your little table, if you will. And, and the thing is, when you have integrity, you become a rock. And you won't get, can't get pushed because you stand on the truth as you know it. And you're even willing to take the hits for standing on it. And that's, that's the power and the strength of standing in the truth. Yeah. And the real power in the whole story was 
the humility of Jesus. He didn't try and hide anything. You want to know who it is? It's me. You know, and I, I know where I'm going. Let's, let's take the next step here. That's integrity. But the integrity was, the power was through his humility. And, and his authority. I'm not going to try and duck and weave. Yeah. I'm, I'm here. You're, I'm your guy. Let's go. But, but through that, look at that. I, I am he. Boom. They just fall down. Yeah. Again, you have no power over me, Judas. No, exactly. Hey, Caiaphas, why are you asking me? Right? Slap, slap. Yeah, yeah. But in every one of those situations, he was also through his humility of just being who he was and his rock, he demonstrated his authority. The power is in the truth. Yeah. So I want you to listen to this. Um, awesome. Well, David, you want to go ahead and say something? Yeah. Do we know who the second disciple was that went with him? John. 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 He was being subtle. I think it's John. Yeah. yeah. Why didn't they ask John if he knew Jesus? Well, actually, what's interesting with John, as we're going to read, is that John's the only disciple who did not flee from Jesus. He did not what? He did not leave Jesus. He was at the he foot was of at the, cross. the cross. He was at the foot of the cross. The only disciple that still stuck around. But he got he got into the room with Caiaphas and Jesus. And the only reason Peter got in there is because John, I guess, terrified. Yeah, amen. That's well, when you say that's the what room, it says here. It says right. That, Yes. What verse? What verse is that? That he he got he he got Peter in because he knew so he was connected. Uh, Fifteen. Uh, Followed Jesus and so did another disciple. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus no. in the courtyard. There you go. Oh, very good. I didn't. I, I didn't pick that up. Yeah. So basically, John knew the gal at the front that was keeping people from coming. The scripture in. He was, said he knew the high he knew, priest. He, he, yeah, he was known by. That's how you John. I'm John. Well, I, he, that I don't think yeah. he would have had that kind of colloquial relationship. I think he knew. He knew the secretary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he just said, uh, he just read the well. scripture. He knew that. Yeah. He knew that. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he knew that. I read it. I so, just knew of him. Yeah, so going, going, um, and we'll so just, wrap things up. It's sort of known to. Known to, yes. Known to the high priest. Yeah, known to that. To right wing conspiracy. So, but yeah, but then, <laughs> but then it said, it said Peter stood outside the door, even yeah. though he was like invited in. He no. stayed outside. He he stayed out because he didn't he didn't get to get past the the gal at the front. Yeah, but John came back in and said, hey, this guy's cool, let him in. That's good. But, but after that, it said, oh, oh, he went. One more. So the other disciple who was known by to the high priest went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watching the door and brought Peter in. Uh, yeah, so that's good. I, I, following yeah. along now, uh-huh. even though Peter denied Jesus, he was important during the Pentecost and made the first sermon. What did John do during the whole was he also influential during the Pentecost? I don't know. I don't know offhand. I don't even know if he's mentioned it. I'm trying to tell the link of why he denied it because he was going to be so important later. You'll see. Yeah. I oh, mean, yeah, I know. Yeah. I know that now. Yeah. I'm trying to take up for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, when we get to chapter 23 in this, it, it, it all comes around. 23 of John? I mean, 20, what's the last term? 21. <laughs> 21. If we get to 21. chapter 3 of 20, I mean, 23 of John, that would be really amazing I, because... Yeah, I'm a bit 21. We're going to make up our own yeah, chapter. Yeah. <laughs> this is a real, 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 real
What did you say? It's what? We're all going Mormon. We're just going to make more chapters. And that John may have had some kind of connection with the high priest, like in a casual way. You find these some That's the point. of gold that disappears. So I guess it was obvious that John was a disciple of Jesus, so they didn't have to ask him, and they were cool with it? I don't think we know. I, yeah. I don't know the answer. Anyway, Tom, you were going to... Yeah, um, we'll we're talking out. about um, <coughs> Peter and the fear was his motive. And we were talking a few minutes ago about how Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? Which was later, right? Yeah. So I was digging around and listen to this. This is John himself. This is First John four eighteen. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear, because fear hath torment. So Jesus is asking him, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? The reason you broke down back there, Peter, is because you really don't love me. At that time, you really... Because you're in fear. Yeah. He had fear because he really didn't love. So you think, well, what's integrity, and what's being tough, and what's being humble? You know... Eric's talking about the humble thing is what drives us for. It's it's love. Mm-hmm. Loving Christ gives us all of that. That's what that scripture you know, said. I don't understand that because mm-hmm. why would Jesus right? tell him so hard? Because he knew what he was going to do later. What was that? But he's again, you're treating him You're, you're sort of psyching yourself out. He said, you, you, said you, don't me, you, don't, you don't love me. Right. Uh, he, he didn't come down on the You're getting a narrative, and you're just, I mean, you want to place yourself in that person. I'm trying to understand why he denied him. What Eric said about really fulfilling the prophecy unknowingly. But that doesn't, re- that does not take away the fact that he's fully responsible for the actions of which he's taking. So, okay. so you want to separate those two a little bit. Jesus uh, made him take that action. No, they didn't. They, they didn't it was make written. It, they, it is written. They knew he would. That's the difference. It's the a difference deep. of them knowing that he would and them causing him to do it. Right? Well, like he, of his own free will, did it. But it's part of their prophecy. It was known. As a fulfilling a prophecy does not relieve us of individual human responsibility in our relationship with God. I guess that's the way I put it. Thank you. I'll give you an example of this love thing, and it's real personal. My mom was elderly. She's a Christian all her life. She's on, on a short. She's going to die shortly. She and I'm trying to talk the gospel to her like I knew more than she did. But she didn't quite get the dynamics of the gospel. But the thing she kept saying over and over, which troubled me at the time, but like tonight reading this scripture, it helps me a lot. She said, all I know is this, I love the Lord. Mm-hmm. And you think, well, yeah, but do you know that if you ask him for forgiveness of your sins, and do you know the dynamics? And she, I, I don't think she had the capability, because she had some dementia to go there, but she did have the capability to remember since she was young that she loved the Lord. You're and right. this scripture right here is saying, that's all you need. That's all you need. Yeah. Yeah. First John. What was that first John? Four. Four. Eighteen. That's what exactly my mom said to me when she died. When I prayed a lot with her, I read a lot of gospel, and she kept saying that she loved the Lord. And what was really interesting for me is that because with you guys, you know, at first we we had that conversation about 
Um, do we say <coughs> Jesus or do we say God? And that maybe God works better because people are more comfortable. Once you say Jesus, you're actually on that line of being Christian. And so sometimes it's harder to talk to people to, you know, about the, the good news. And so I was just curious why my mom said that she loved the Lord. She didn't say, I love Jesus. I want to be saved by Jesus. I want, I want the Holy and, and she's a strong, like your mother, she's a really, really strong Catholic. Well, it's interesting, too. They could say, I love Jesus, and that, I don't she think She could have said, I love Jesus, I don't but think she said, I love the, I don't think she goes, Kenny, and she's because on Because Jesus was a person, just like any of us. The Lord is a title. The Lord is like, he's the Lord of all. He's like the Son of God. And my, my brother And the people on the cross said, Lord... That's all he had to say right there. Then it got selfish. Lord, remember me when you come in your kingdom. But him, when he said, Lord, yeah. boom. Saying, this is who you are. You are Lord. Right. Yeah. Okay, so we talk about all this stuff, right? And we're talking about it most of the time in a very worldly reality. We're truly. What we, well, what we're, what we have to keep aware of, right, is that this is supernatural stuff okay we're talking about we're talking about we're talking about god right the and, realm. and well yeah and the so there's realm. there's always that like i am, why, the, I am of the kingdom of why, god not of, why did why did peter do these things why did john not get taken in how come they didn't know that how come these guys weren't all killed before this time and then how come jesus disappeared okay all this stuff there's all this this is all that we got to remember it's also supernatural we're living in a spiritual reality, right? So, in the saying a name and b- believing it are two different things. So, when your mother says, "I love the Lord," Jesus Christ knows who she's talking about, right? We don't. For us to get it is less important, and in fact, not important at all. If she and 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 Jesus Christ. Are in relationship. That's that's, that's what important. matters, yeah. right? I, you're right because it's, like you said, it's in a relationship. And she said, "Yes, Kenny. You know, this was on her dying bed. She goes, yes, Kenny. I believe in the Lord.' And I was when I told that to my brothers and sisters, you know, because they were kept saying, "Oh, we should have had the priest at the at the funeral." I go, "You guys, you guys don't understand what I witnessed and what I even recorded it on my phone." Yeah, I don't know why I did that, but. When we prayed, we, I recorded a lot of that. But I go, she did. I mean, to me, I felt like she had already been saved. But then once again, she reassured me. And I don't know. I, I'm not real sure. Like, we're Catholic. So, I mean, I'm not. But, I mean, our family yeah. is all Catholic. So, we always have a priest come to give the last sacrament. If you guys know what that means. Yeah. And we didn't. And my brothers and sisters were a little, like, well, especially my brother. He was a little upset about that. But you don't understand. I was with her. Yeah. Every and, day. And, well, and the point Every again day. is, well, be blunt, the last sacrament is not going to really do anything. The point <laughs> is that she had a relationship with Christ. She had a relationship with Christ. She had a relationship with Christ. And that's, I witnessed it. That's all she needed. That's, that's and I like what you just yeah. said, the phrase, and she reassured me. Yeah. yeah right. That's good. Right. And you blessed her. That's Yeah, but she was blessing you. I mean, she's yeah, the one who's dying. Yeah. And she's, you were the sacrament, you. man. That's, 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 right. that's, right the Lord, that's the Lord's grace on yeah, both of you guys Absolutely. to know and have the assurance. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because Beautiful. you're here, and and you hearing those words from her, her, she had her own inner reality, but that's the Lord's blessing on you. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah I, right. I think there are a lot of Christians like that, like your brother, that... 
believe based on faith. Is there a difference between faith and actually believing the events that happened? Or do you have to have faith that those beliefs of when you say the events have happened, what do you mean by that? All the stuff we've been talking about tonight. I mean, this all, is, ultimately, and this is... And the knowledge, all the uh, mm-hmm. phrases, mm-hmm. Her, his mother probably didn't know a lot of this. Well, I would probably argue with that. His Maybe mother she probably did, because she's yeah, if she was Catholic, you're going to church, you're going to... You're going through catechism. You're learning about yeah, all the detail of all this she stuff. Do going to more so than <laughs> yeah, a lot of people in a standard non-denominational church. The Catholic Church at least takes you through all the stuff, okay, and a lot more. But they take you through a lot of stuff, yeah, exactly. and 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 so, so they they, are, they ground you in the catechism and who Jesus yeah. is. They walk through these stories. Every Sunday she's going to Mass. She's hearing these stories preached. She's hearing the Gospel read. I mean, I would say, yeah, she... she. I mean, I can't speak for her, but I'm just saying... That, that's that all connected. her faith? Is what? Does that strengthen her faith, or that just gives her more evidence of, of what's real, what really happened? Yeah, I mean, she I can't answer evidence. that specifically, she but she's, she, lived, she lived learning all that stuff, you know? So, so what we're, what I believe we're doing here, we've had this conversation a few weeks ago regarding like going deep or not, right? Mm -hmm. Hey, I know enough. (laughs) Let's, let's stop here. I'm comfortable here. Well, okay. So all all we're doing here is deepening our relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what we're doing. And we're doing that with one another. We're yeah. deepening our relationship with one another. This is why Jesus had a, a large group of people around him. Every one of them was different. Every one of them brought something different to the table. Every one of them taught one another. Right? So we're deepening in relationship. You could, you could, last day of your life, boom. Just like the guy on the cross. That guy didn't know anything except he knew who he yeah, was. All the events of Jesus' life, yeah. That was it. So, what we're doing right now is is such a blessing. But not, I'm going to say uh, there are many people who don't have the benefit of this. Totally, they don't. And that's that's see yes. that's I, can I just strengthen that a little bit more? Is that yeah? I I know that I was I that Jesus Christ died for me. I I know what my position is right now. But I come here. And I go to church. And I want to learn more. And every time you get a book, you tell me about a book, or somebody, I played it the other night, somebody gave me Sarah Young's book, and I started looking, I was like, wow. And then Jeff says we should all have this kind of uh, relationship with Jesus every day. Getting to the point is, you guys in church, and every book I suck up, and every time I get to bring my kids into a group and talk to them, I'm behaving more like a Christian. Mm-hmm. So when you say, when you what you just said is, well, does she know this? And did, maybe she knew a lot more than I that I maybe I didn't know. But we prayed together, and so I guess it really becomes your relationship. It's because I already know that I've been saved, but now I'm going to take control of it. I'm going to come here and listen to you guys and learn. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to talk to Pastor Greg about how I'm going to present something. I'm going to write a new song. And now I'm behaving. 
as a Christian. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Like, I'm, 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 now, I'm, I'm not just taking this steps. Peter was called out because he, he was saved, but yet he was called out because he had a different behavior with the Jews and the non-Jews. Yeah. And it happens all the time. We have people that say, well, I'm already, I'm good with God. I mean, I'm good. Everything's good. But, you know, so now I can go fool around a little bit and cheat a little bit. Goes back to Eric last this week. Was, this was what, a different yeah. mass. Yeah. What yeah. David's Just talking about, I think it's called epistemology, isn't it? Knowledge. Yeah, how do we know? How do you know? Yeah. Um, and when you guys were talking, I, I just thought of a tree. So just think of a tree of knowledge. And someone like your mom, uh, she's gone up, the, let's say the tree has 50 branches. And she's gone up 15 branches in knowledge. And then she has an encounter with the Lord or she has this, the Spirit speaks to her. And she commits and becomes a Christian. She's not only done at 15 runs. It may take a guy like you 70 runs before you have enough on board or when the Spirit speaks to you. But somebody like the thief on the cross, he didn't get to the first branch. But all those people yeah, went to the crown tree. But also, knowledge is important. He skipped a few rocks. So, and, okay, and so we're, we're going past what time it's doing. Point of order. So, the thief on the cross didn't get to the first branch. There are a lot of people out there that are predestined to become Christians that are not Christians yet. So, if something happens to them, where do they go? I mean, in, in essence, David, we don't know the answer to that question. Okay, just be blunt. We don't know the answer to that question. It's really not our responsibility to answer it. <laughs> I thought you were Karnak. No, no I, can, I can go for that. If, if they're predestined to become Christians and they die before they become Christians, is that what you said? Yeah. That's well, logical. then they weren't predestined. Yeah. <laughs> So, but they yeah. don't know they're Christians. They're and Christians. I think, yeah, I, again, you're going to get too much. These Christians. are the things of God. That <laughs> yeah. We don't know who's predestined. None of us are predestined. We do but not know who's predestined. So, well, then they weren't predestined. Are you in a hurry, Rick? No, no, no. I'm in a hurry. You guys are like, can you imagine the Last Supper if Jesus did that? Greg, you haven't even asked Steve what kind of car he wants. Gil snuck out. You didn't ask him for a guy. Is your car your best car? I have lost control. I never had it. I have a little question about the chicken and the egg. To try to have a last word here, so that I won't get the. I just in the answer to your question, though, David, people have said that here. I started without saying what's the whole theme of John, and, and the whole thing that John, this gospel, keeps saying is it's not enough to just say I believe in Jesus. You have to keep on believing. And I think that's why we're here. That's why Ken was just talking about doing what he's doing. Mm -hmm. That's why we get into this word. That's why, as Jason said, we get deep into it. Excuse me for a minute, but this is why when we get into the word, notice how I just turn anywhere. Do you notice that? Do you guys see that? That's called getting into the word. If I go to another page, you see that? Okay. That's like... We want, this word is the word of God. This is like what gives us life. This I is Jesus. I think what I've heard, though, is knowledge, strength, and faith. 
Uh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Unless you go to university. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's reverse knowledge. But you just, we, that's what we're all here for. Because we gotta like, we gotta keep at it. And it's so easy to just go, well, I'm not gonna keep at it anymore. I'm just gonna get lazy and I'm not gonna keep getting together like this on Tuesday nights. I mean, this is what gives us life and takes our faith. Because what should our faith do? It should, you said about it, it should keep us growing. And Paul calls that growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's not just a knowledge like thinking. That is a relational knowledge. The more time I spend with you, the more I know David. But the knowledge okay. is selfish if it's just internal. Yeah, it's, it doesn't mean anything well, the, unless the, we... One big reason, personally, is for me being here is to help articulate my faith. Absolutely. Because I'm so bad at it. Yeah. Well, we all, we all struggle with so, oh, absolutely. I mean, like what, yeah. what Peter's about to do? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean think about it. We're, we're talking about a relationship that we're trying to deepen and to the point of being perfectly one. Right? That's, that is the prayer the that prayer Jesus that has for us. That we, not only we, but all who are going to will become perfectly one. And I don't believe that that's simply here on this Earth, I think that's an eternal objective, right? But think about it. We're trying to we're trying to establish a deep relationship with the Creator of all things. <laughs> that's what we're. That's and what then we're and then oh, I'm going to go explain this. <laughs> Dude, that's just like the that is the biggest, most heavy duty thing you could possibly do as a human being. The more you know, the more what you don't. That's right. Yeah, that's prayer. But it's like it's like with you. It's like with you and Pat. It's like me and my wife. I mean, you spend a lifetime. You know them, but you spend a lifetime continuing to know them, and that continuing to know them is being in a relationship with them. You never stop that. You don't go like I know people try to. We don't go like what I love you, honey. We don't need to talk anymore about you. Already know I love you. Well, no, you want that relationship to continue. This is how the relationship continues. That's exactly true. It's and getting together on Tuesday night. And yes, just, dear, yeah. works real good, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, dear, works real good. Yeah. <laughs> the way John DeVere says that, I guess, like, you, That's what I was gonna you, know, you met your wife, and you know, when she actually get married, she's not, she's not going to be practicing giving her phone number out. Right. It's like, she's married, she took the sacrament, and now she has to behave like your wife. So she has, you have to work on it. And that's, and they, they, they parallel that with with God being the groom and us being the bride. Yeah, yeah. the church, yeah. So anyway, good, good, um, oh, I wish you guys would speak up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of wallflowers. This is, this is, yeah, I know, this is good discussion, really. This is like, I love, yes. we're, we're wrestling. This is exactly what we should be doing. It's just neat that we get to come together and do that. I think we would all love to be watching over that conversation. Oh, just yeah. replay her the tape. She's recovering well, by the way? Yeah, she's good. Yeah, good. That's good. All right, anybody who, um, anybody volunteers to close this in prayer tonight? Pete's got to practice. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Heavenly Father God, just thank you for meeting us here tonight with your spirit. Um, pray that you go with us throughout our week. Lord, um, help us to do your will. Help us to continue to learn from you and grow in our relationship with you. 
Help us to abide so that we may bear fruit. We need you every hour. We thank you for everything you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.